Toasted Soul. Toasted Soul is a podcast hosted by me, Greg Keane. Toasted Soul will be exploring technology news, business news, and just general rants on life. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Toasted Soul. Today I have with me Danae Peart. And uh, Danae, could you introduce yourself? Hi, Greg. So it's very hard to introduce myself to others, but the short answer, I am currently working in healthcare after having done about 10 years in media. Used to run CHRY, then was at the helm of rebranding and shifting CHRY over to Vibe 105. Stayed there for the first two years and then changed career paths. And so now I'm in um, healthcare administration. I run, well, co-manage pair of nurse practitioner-led clinics. And then on the side, because, you know, it's a gig economy, um, I, after five, I am a consultant in media and business realm. And so I do consulting with artists. I do consulting with up-and-coming business ventures. And I do consulting with small businesses that are already established but are stuck. And, you know, some PR and other kind of marketing branding stuff on the side. So that's me in as much of a nutshell as I can bring. Yeah, like, of course, everyone does the gig economy. Everyone's got, like, uh, something else that they have to be doing. I don't know if that's a, a sign of, like, a bad economy or a good economy where you have your full-time job, but you feel the need to have something else on the side. What do you yeah. think? I, I don't know if it's a bad economy. The, the economy is bad. That's yeah. sure. But I don't know that the gigging is a part of it being a bad economy. I think what happens is most persons, and I don't have, you know, set numbers on this, but most persons aren't working with their passion. Most persons are working, aren't working to their passions. And so the gigging ends up being things that they're actually passionate about and actually interested in. And their nine to five just happens to pay the bill, the bill steadily. What will happen is most individuals that are doing gig and job will eventually convert their full time over to what they were gigging in and become real entrepreneurs um, in, in the strictest sense. But, you know, there is always that phase where you're like, you know, testing, testing all of your your passions and then solidifying them. Yeah, and I think that's how, it, from my experience, that usually is how it goes. People are working that side gig and then trying to turn that side gig into their regular main income source. And uh, I think that's probably the best way to go because you, you hold on to that nine to five and you have that steady check coming in. So there's no worries and stress on that side and yeah. as you build your gig. Yeah. So uh, how are you finding the venture into healthcare? You, you've gone from... CHRY, which is radio to a health now. Like it seems like a big shift. 
So, I mean, when we changed CHRY over to Vibe, it was kind of the beginning of the end for me in traditional media. Vibe was us, you know, establishing two separate entities because we were always a a hybrid organization, but individuals only saw the radio. So what we wanted to do was distinguish radio from the nonprofit element because VX3, which we established as the parent company, is actually a nonprofit charity that is engaged in training in media and honing skills through vocational modular trainings. And then Vibe was the rebranded, you know, sexy FM entity. During that process of the the tear down and rebuild and reorg, I realized that, you know, stuff I consult with people on all the time is you have a lot of transferable skills today. Like, you know, behind the scenes, of course, I was also on boards. I was, you know, during that same time, I was the president of Black Creek Community Health Center's board of directors. And so those years also informed my decision on on transferring my skills elsewhere. You know, I was acquainted with the healthcare sector through that role and, you know, was getting more and more familiar with the elements that come with the sector. And so I said, okay, let's test this theory. You have skills that are transferable. Let's see you transfer them. And so that's really where that came from. So what do I do in my regular work? Well, at the station at Viabai was the CEO. As CEO, I was responsible for hiring and firing. I was responsible for budgeting. I was responsible for resource allocation and finding resources. I was responsible for community liaison. I was responsible for, you know, public relations. What do I do at the clinic? I am in management. I am responsible for community liaisons. I'm also responsible for hiring and firing and human resources. I'm also responsible for monitoring our budget and liaising with our accountants and and auditors and so on. So different sector, same skills, you know, so. We have like a base that we're easily transferable. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I highly encourage that people, you know, don't, don't take anything simply. I think everything is a building block to where you want to be, you know, because my being on the board of Black Creek, I never thought I'd be in healthcare. I just was, you know, bringing my skill sets to a board. But in being on that board, I got intrigued by healthcare and was able to see my way through that transition. But I do believe that if you have managerial skills, you have managerial skills. It doesn't matter the, the sector. Those same skills are what makes you good at uh, advising for businesses and small businesses, helping them to move from whether zero to hero or from like stuck to unstuck. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's been an interesting thing too, because one of the, one of the things I'm learning with each client is something I'm going to, I'm actually going to post today on my social media is the idea that when the business is stuck, most times it's the person that's leading the business that's also stuck. And so what has been happening is as I seek to coach individuals or coach businesses, I'm realizing that it's actually the individuals that need some coaching and might actually need some counseling and therapy. You know, so that's been 
an interesting realization through that process. But yeah, like I've brought all the skill sets to to you know to bear when I when I talk to companies. And one of the things is that when we were doing the work of you know transitioning vibe, you know, from an old model of CHRY, there is a lot engaged in that that I don't know that every startup thinks about. Like most startups start with an idea. Yeah. But if they don't they don't think through the structure, right? So yeah. what will my actual idea look like? How do I pan out pan this out? And so in you know, writing a business model for what we were about to do with this transition, you know, I'm I'm sitting there going, Oh my goodness, there's so many people I know that would have needed this exercise when they were planning to use their idea for a business, right? And so th those things definitely, you know, consistently inform what I do when I'm talking to individuals about their idea. <laughs> you mm. know, uh, I used to do a training session with the, well, a seminar series with the city of Toronto, uh, me and my business partner for technology trainers. And a lot of times people come with these great ideas and they're like, oh, Greg, you know, blah, blah, blah. After a seminar or something, they'd ask me questions and you can see they're, they're really passionate about their idea and they start laying it out to me, asking me questions. And it was always just like, they just, you know, they have the idea, but they don't really have the structure and, and what it takes to get to from zero to the next step. Yeah. So yeah, I totally understand. And I think that's with a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are, that have a hobby or like, or invent something, they, yeah. they're not thinking about the business size, like the core business size, or just thinking about their hobby or they're thinking about their idea. And it takes people like you. Mm -hmm. to uh, come in and lay down that structure and show them the actual path to where they either need to be or, or want to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult, I think it's a difficult kind of job like that, what you're doing, like that consulting, mm -hmm. but I, I know like I've done it and I, I see the rewards. It, it's fun. Definitely has its uh, difficulties and its struggles because it's like you have to, take your mind and that other person's mind, you have to try to help them. And it's like, you're matching, you have to match two personalities and then and, and go down a path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I'm in the middle of um, a consulting now and I've, we've kind of just taken a break because the level of stuck is not on me to, to fix. Right. So that individual needs to, you know, put into practice the items that I've laid out for them in writing um, because I, I try to work with where the client is, right? So some, some clients I can have one consult and we, you know, talk and I see them taking notes and I'm like, okay, so they're engaged, they're hearing me. And then there are other clients where like I have multiple follow-up documents that I'm, I'm, I'm literally regurgitating our conversation and regurgitating the plan, but yeah they're just not that type of learner or they're just not that type of doer. So it, it definitely is challenging. And then, you know, because it's my gig, I have to be very mindful of like how much brain power I'm putting into this and how much time I'm actually spending doing this. And is the reward there, you know, like, you know, as a, as a pseudo entrepreneur, that's been a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. is just matching the the effort with the outcomes for myself you know as a as a burgeoning business so that's really been the struggle especially during this covid time is me even assessing what is it that i that i 
that I want to do and what is it that is actually profitable to do. It's a very interesting time, you know. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that point where, um, like, I, I consult with some people now and it's, I see the, like, you I see those people that are like, you're talking to them and like, I'm like, are you taking notes? Like, I'm giving you, I'm telling you what to do in the, the next steps. And they're just listening, but they're not taking notes and they're not, they're not recording anything. Yeah. Or I, I like, what I like to do is share a lot of Google Docs. Like, I'll write up an entire doc of like, next steps. This is phase one. This is what we're doing in phase one. This is how we're executing on Instagram. And then I, they, they don't know that I can see the history. So I'm like, have you checked out the document? Oh yeah, yeah. And I know you haven't. <laughs> like, so it's like, no, what are you doing? No edit, no click. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, I yeah. know your, I know your struggles that you go through, but I, I like it though. You know what I mean? I like building, so I think it's part of my personality. And so in helping these people, it feels creative. It feels like part of my creativity that's right. being used. So I enjoy it, and I try to stick with people for as long as I can. But after a while, when people are when those when the ones that are not Do writing it. down and taking notes and really executing, you have to realize this is a waste of your time, and mm -hmm. you, know, you have other people that you can that are taking notes and that are really um receptive and right right and i don't think it's a like i think it's 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 something new right so those people that are not taking notes and not being receptive i think it's just that it's a skill that they have to learn and understand that in addition to your to your your hobby or the business idea that you have this is part of it if you really want to build business this is part of it so you have to learn and you have to start to do these kind of things yeah 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 and it's a it's a work process that they haven't really signed up for right mm -hmm. so like you know they know they know i can do this thing well and i'm gonna do it as a business but they don't think about the actual labor that that is coming from that that it's it you know you have to sit down and, and flesh out the business plan you have to sit down and flesh out the marketing plan which is like a major pet peeve for me is most businesses don't think about marketing and it is you know it's this whole if we build it they'll come and i just want to cry every time i see that yeah. because, because i know like just because you built it doesn't mean they'll come and you gotta you have to have a plan for how do i engage audiences how do I reach my target market? Like, I, I know I'm in trouble when I talk to a business and they don't know what their target audience is, right? Like, you know, they never sat down and fleshed out that piece. You know, somebody probably said to them, that's a great idea. I'd do it. Uh, I, I'd buy it, you know? And, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. But they don't, they don't actually know. And, and you know, this is, this is some of the tips that I will be, you know, freely giving to people. You have to know what is the question you're answering or what is the need that you are filling? What is the problem that you're solving? What is the problem you are solving, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't answer that question in any part of your process, I already know in two years you're going to be stuck. I already know, you know, you're going to hit a wall as a business because you never took the time to know who you're reaching, right? Because the reality is all ideas are doable. But not all ideas are the million dollar idea and not all ideas have, you know, a ton of audience members. So did you scale accordingly? Did you think I, this idea only has a thousand potential buyers or did you just assume there were a million, you know? <laughs> so it's very interesting 
to go through this process with people. But, you know, and I'm learning as well, like how to tailor my messaging and so on. Yeah, that that is definitely the one thing for, I think, for all business people or all people getting into business is that knowing your target audience is probably the paramount of that business. Because if you don't know them, then, you know, you might have a great product, but if you don't know your target audiences and you start selling like cigarettes to try to sell them to babies, like no baby wants that, right? Exactly. So knowing your audience is very important. It's a difficult task, but it, it can be done especially today it can be done with all the, all the data that you can find online. Oh, yeah. uh, proper way to do it is the AB testing uh, using that, 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 uh, pro- that principle to, to narrow in on whether that product or that service is wanted and by whom it's wanted. Uh, I mean, like it's, it's a question that I always ask people like, who are the people that you think want this? Why do they want this? You know, and in research and uh, in research, you can usually, you know, suss out, like pull out kind of like that. Even this morning, I was looking at my my podcast uh, analytics and it's it's interesting the people that are looking at it and that are listening. Yeah, it's like it's something that you always have to keep going to, too, because it can change depending on what service or product you are offering that those those that target audience can kind of shift or wave and, and dip sometimes. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a question that everybody entrepreneur should look into very first thing. Marketing today, you know, it's mainly when you, when people say marketing, the first thing you think is the internet. No one does any kind of marketing anymore. And I think that's just the way of the future. And there's tons of uh, analytics, tons of ways to pull data, tons of way to get the right metrics to narrow in on who you should be marketing to. And, um, where your target audience, like, are they on Instagram? Are they on Reddit? Are they on Facebook? Where are they? So you can narrow your marketing to that point. Yeah, for sure. But you're also doing like um, something with media, right? Yeah. So with media, I do, I do PR stuff. I, you know, help people um, refine their brand. You know, I do, I, I do almost every little aspect of it just because sometimes sometimes depending on who I'm working with budget wise, they can't do everything. And so like, you know, I'll, I'll be the filler. Yeah. They get to stage two where they need to actually hire somebody who does it. So, you know, so so on that point, you you know what I do when people come and I give them a a, a price and they can't handle it. I phase out the the projects. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, this is the price and you don't really want to cut your price. So I would tell people you don't want to ever really cut your price. So if I say, this is going to be $5,000 and they're like, whoa, that's a lot. I'm like, okay, well, why don't we phase it out over X amount of time and it's more affordable to you. Right. 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 Just just a tip I was just sharing. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sure. Um, And and that's been the approach that I see like a lot of other persons that I, I work with because like we cross refer people to people and that's kind of the approach that everybody takes is is to phase it out. For me, like, you know, I always try to just get in and get out. <laughs> like, I'm mm-hmm. not trying, I don't want to live with you through all your phases. Yeah. want to do phase one, get you going. I want to get out because I find that like my personality is one of like, I'm a workaholic. I'm, I'm also very caring, even though I don't come across as such. And so 
I'll be like, oh, you know, <laughs> let me help. And you know what I mean? And it just drags on, especially yeah. for individuals that don't have the budget that is required. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, no, no, let me try to cut this cord quickly. You know? Yeah. I'm like that with, because um, people are always go, uh, I should become a personal trainer. My thing is, I want to be able to get in, get you fit, and then get out. But for personal <laughs> trainers, you have to stay with them for you so long. Them. You have to stay with them. You have to stay yeah. with them. I've I've done I've used personal trainers before and they've been actually effective. I tell people like people ask me all the time like what has been most effective for me when I've been on my weight loss journeys and it's always been with a personal trainer. Really? Um, because yeah, because I'm I for my for my fitness, I'm not individually motivated. Mm-hmm. I have to have somebody going go 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 push push push, mm-hmm. um, or else I'll just be like okay I'm done. <laughs> It's not working. So, you know what I mean? Like, I need I need that. And I find that every time that I've hired a personal trainer, it's worked. But you have to be very invested as a personal trainer. It's so much, you know. Yeah. It's so much hand-holding. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, I see, the, I see personal trainers. And I'm like, it just seems like they're just talking. Like, they're not really helping the person. Like, because from my, well, my, my thought of how to train someone is different than theirs. It seems yeah. like a... It seems like they're just buddies, and they're, I'm like, no, yeah. we come to work. Like that's my, work. that's my mentality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, how are the kids? Like, who cares? Let's do some more push-ups. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I, like, and I, and 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 that is another part of why I couldn't be a personal trainer because mm-hmm. it's like, like I know when I train, I go 110, percent right? right? Get that heart rate up and burn that fat, or push 100 pounds to get those muscles. I don't see a limit. So like, I don't see my own limit. So you shouldn't see a limit either in yourself. And let's just go. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But the person who needs a trainer needs more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, the, the business, the small business consulting is, is a lot of fun. Recently, what I've been doing mainly though, is focusing on not just small business consulting, but like IT consulting and how to make, make your business run more efficiently with technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, it is like you're like that consulting is is uh, it's kind of hard because it's like, it, well, it's not something that's really that passionate for me. The IT part is definitely so yeah. combining them both is is a better path for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are you looking so your so your your current job as a health uh, working in the health health system? And the current situation of COVID, are they, is there any crossover, anything that you are experiencing because of that? So, I mean, I've been, I've been very untraditional during this COVID period in that I'm at work every day. I think it's because I'm management and, and I'm administration. So I've been in physically in the clinic space every day. However, our clinic has, you know, modified schedules. So clinicians are not in every day anymore you know we've moved quickly to a virtual care model so kind of a hybrid you come in you know once or twice per week you can see physically a person and then the other days of the week are virtual so what I'm witnessing is the sector having to change quickly Mm. And, and I think that's happened to most sectors during this time is you know this push towards a virtual model for everything 
Um, You know, in many cases, industries and sectors have taken a full on five year leap in their business model, you know, like software wise, you know, having more hardware, like, you know, laptops and so on. Like even for us, we we only had a few laptops because we have a home visiting feature of our clinic. So those laptops were used when we were mobile. But now everybody's virtual. <laughs> so, you know, we've had to acquire more hardware. And then the software, you know, I've always been that person who reads reads up on sectors and reads ahead um, because I want to know what's coming. So even when we were choosing our electronic record, uh, medical records here, I was going with a company that I felt like could expand to where the industry was going, right? So that's definitely been interesting. And like my personal life has been impacted by COVID, you know, the, you know, assisting my family because my aunt and uncle are seniors. They're, you know, 80 and 81 and 84. So I've been doing their shopping for them and, you know, little errands here and there. So that's impacted my time. At the start of COVID, when they announced the shutdown for seniors, my my friend and I, who are a part of a grassroots in- initiative, we started doing food. So we're doing like, we do a feeding program every weekend. So my time went there. So really COVID has definitely taken a toll on not just my time, but even my mental, my mental state. Like I have to like force myself to not fall into any, any of the, the traps, <laughs> you know, that come with isolation or, or being tired or being overworked and so on. Um, it's been that kind of a period. Like these seven months have been very interesting. Like my time is just gone <laughs> and it's gone in different directions. It's gone in, I'm still doing consulting. I'm still working nine to five. And now I'm, you know, supporting family members and so on through, through this process. It's been interesting. So how do you deal with the mental aspects of all this stuff of like just being drawn in so many different directions? Like how do do you meditate? Do you uh, exercise? Like, well, how do you deal with all that stuff that's just going on in your life? Yeah, so on good days, (laughs) um, because not every day I'm consistent. So on good days, I do this process where I don't go into the shower silently. Like I'm always listening to something. So I'm always listening to either an audiobook or some, you know, motivational speakers that I follow and those kind of things just to make sure that I'm not rushing because like my showers can take five minutes. So I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm forcing myself to just slow down and listen to something. And usually something uplifting, usually something about, you know, abundance living or, you know, no limit living and that kind of stuff. Or I catch up on books. And so that kind of sets the tone for the day for me. If I don't do it, I realize that at about like, you know, 1030 in the morning, I have to stop and remind myself that this isn't a bad day. This is about to just be a bad moment, you know. (laughs) But if I center myself in the morning, I don't have that problem, right? So... So, you know, we, we should do things that are good for us, but we don't always. So there are days when I'm not on point. And, and those days, you know, bad moments feel like bad days. And you just go down and down and down. And then by evening, I'm just on the couch, like trying to regroup 
So really, like if there's anything I know for sure that works is having a really strong morning routine just so that you can kind of just ground your day in the kind of day you want to have. Because we, we literally choose the days we want to have. I know like, and it's taken me a while to come to that realization as a, as a person, but yeah, we definitely choose the day we're having, you know, like, you know, you get a bad email, it's a bad email. Yeah. <laughs> you know, next, <laughs> you know, yeah, but, exactly. but if you're not grounded, that email can derail you. Right. And you're just like spending the day arguing about the content of the email and your response to the email and the, and it just keeps going downhill when if you're grounded you're just like oh it's a bad email <laughs> on to the next one yeah. yeah yeah when i get up i try to um uh, get up early as i can like usually around 4 30 i'll go for a run workout and then meditate start my day but yeah like if you it's it's you putting yourself in a certain mindset because we're all going to have bad things that happen to us. We're going to wake up, stub our toe. We're going to get that bad email. You have to just say, it's a bad email. Ah, my toe's fine. And just keep it going. Keep it moving, right? Yeah. Um, try to stay positive because there's so many things in the world that will try to bring you down. Yeah. You have to consciously work to stay up. And I'm, and I'm a busy brainer. Like, I don't settle my brain easily. Yeah. Uh, so I've been I've been very curious about stuff that monks write about and monks, you know, speak about. Mm -hmm. And so there's like there's a favorite video of mine on YouTube about like, you know, quieting your monkey brain. Yeah, and, I like that one. Yeah. yeah. And it's like every now and again I just watch it again to just remind myself, you know, that give give the busy the busy bee monkey <laughs> mm -hmm. something else to do and so for most people that's meditation and so on for me like i don't have a strict meditative practice anymore i used to but since i've you know been ascribing to spirituality over religion i'm you know kind of debugging some of the practices that i've had so yeah you know but having like just a strong morning routine definitely you know helps to guide your day so with spirituality over religion, you wouldn't count, uh, you wouldn't count um, meditation into spirituality? Is um, that what you mean? So, so for me, it can be interpreted as spirituality because, mm -hmm. but for me, when I hear meditation, I'm like, what are you meditating on or to whom? And so like, it becomes a, a quagmire for me, you know, now that I'm trying to just separate everything from religion, I don't you know, I don't want to say I'm meditating per se, but I want to say I'm grounding. I want to say I'm, you know, making resolutions and resolving and affirming actions that I want to take in my day, as opposed to like that word meditation just still has connotations for me that mm. are still very aligned with a religion. Of really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just my, my thinking, <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just, oh, when people meditate, what are they meditating to? Is it Buddha? Is it God? Is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, while the reality is most people probably aren't seeing any deity in their meditative process, mm. but I just feel like, like how, how I've seen meditation done and how I've heard people say they meditate, I feel like it's still wrapped up in some kind of, you know, religious connection. I don't think so. Like, well, for me, like when I meditate, I'm not religious because I, I just all this, 
everything around religion just bothers me. There's so many things around religion that just bothers me. And so I believe that we are originally spiritual because the entire universe is a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. So in meditation, what I'm using meditation for is to reconnect my spirit to the universe. To the universe right. Mm-hmm. When I say, when I think of religion, I think of organized religion, man-made religion. So I'm not into that. I'm into the spirituality of connecting and believing that there's energy in everything, believing that that plant has energy, believing that there's this encompassing energy in the universe that I am a part of and I can connect to and I can feel emotions through through connecting into this this uh, this energy field. And meditation calms the monkey mind mm-hmm. and releases the spirit to get out there and connect fully with that energy. I, I don't see it as religion in how I define religion. Yeah. I mean, I do seek God within my meditation because I believe God is out there. I believe in God. So I believe God is that energy that I'm trying to reconnect and tap into while I'm in the meditative state. Yeah. And so, and, and so that's, that's why I have the religion con- connotation mm-hmm. because most persons say something during meditation or think something during meditation. Like a mantra, like I say, what I say, I say, thank you, God, just constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so you, so you see what I mean? So if like I was raised in the church, like I was, you know, from three years old, I was going to church. So for me, if I'm going to sit down and meditate, my first words are likely going to be something I learned in church or something related to that. Or mm-hmm. if I'm ascribing to a new religion, like how I'm interested in what the monks do, I might, you know, be ascribing to something Buddha said, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like really working on filtering out those kinds of words and sayings and so for me, that's why I don't use the word meditation because I'm, I'm just trying to, if I'm centering with universe and energy, I don't want to say anything else yeah. <laughs> than universe and good energy. Right. Like, so, so for me, it's, it's just a, it's just a process that I'm going through. Um, I don't know that there's a wrong or right. So it's not, that I'm not, I'm not saying there is, I'm just right. saying just for me, as I'm debugging all of the layers of this onion, yeah. and, you know, unwrapping and unraveling it, I I just find that that word still connotates something for me that I'm trying to separate from. Yeah, and I mean, like, I grew up in the Catholic Church, right? Going to, mm-hmm. since I was like, I don't remember how, maybe around six, but it felt like program, <laughs> like it felt like brainwashing and programming the whole time. And the, the, the minute I had an opportunity to choose not to go to church anymore, I chose that, right? Um, it just didn't sink in. The program wasn't taking with me. It just, I had too many questions. I'm like, but if he can walk on water, but, but he said, but but it was just a lot of questions that no one was answering for me. Yeah. And the way my mind works, it needs an answer. That's logical. So yeah, I, slipping away from that, I know that still I have that programming in me that not that I believe in Jesus, the, you know, those, those people, but the idea of God, I believe in. So, yeah, so it's, I can understand like how it's, it's hard to get away from that kind of ingrained programming. Like they, they put that into your brain and it's hard to like break away from that 
but in trying that's the best way and it's not that it's wrong like i don't believe anyone that does anything yeah. that is spiritual in mm -hmm. nature is wrong i believe i believe religion is wrong i guess um yeah uh, i don't think it's right i'll say i don't think it's right for everyone because right. not, I, yeah i don't believe religion is right for everyone and uh it's unfortunate that people just blindly follow they don't think right. like what is this what is this uh, spirituality thing all about? Let me take a look, right? right? They don't they don't try out different things. They just say this is where I should be, um, and I find that problematic. I don't really want to get into it because yeah. of, because religion is like one of those things that are it's a hot button. It's a very hot button, and mm -hmm. it's hard to like like I have I have opinions on the kind of uh, religion that Black people are following and believe right. that you're from, and why I believe otherwise right hey guys at this section i had to delete part of the audio the internet connection was in and out so the audio didn't come in very clearly zoom and google meetings yeah how, how are you finding that for communicating um so i'm, I'm not a big fan of it i'm yeah. you know i'm accepting it because this is a new new world right it's a new right. reality we're now in a virtual era i tell people all the time that whenever you see a crisis, it's an era about to change and shift. So we're there. This is what it is. So I'm not a big fan, but I've been I've been doing interesting things. So like I go to parties now on Zoom. <laughs> you know, I go to a couple. Yeah, it's, you know, I I'm not a big fan of like. So I lost my uncle in May. Mm. Um, he died from cancer, and I really hated being on Zoom for his funeral. I really, really hate it. Like, I think I'm actually still mad about that because I feel like it takes away from our expressions of grief and, and, connection. We, and connection. And we're already a people who don't grieve well enough. Right. Um, so to add that Zoom feature, like I'm literally still traumatized about it. You know, like I was delivering his eulogy on Zoom. That is the most painful thing, right? Mm -hmm. So that element I don't like. I don't like, you know, if it's weddings or funerals or any birth, anything. I feel like those rituals and those connection pieces, really, we should not lose them to this virtual to technology. Yeah. Yeah. And that just goes to show just how connected we are as human beings. Like when I'm in your space, like when I'm right there and I can reach out and touch Danae, is completely different than talking on this thing. There's no... Yeah. There's no human connection. Like we are speaking, we are seeing each other, but yeah. to be in the space is to share the energy within that space. Exactly. And feel it, and it's different. And even even in death, you want to be by yeah. that body because that energy is still in yeah. that body. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand what you're saying, and yeah. I, I wouldn't be able. To, I wouldn't. Even, I mean, like, can't understand it. In uh, I haven't experienced it, but I've experienced like birthday parties and stuff like that. So I've, I, I know what a birthday party in real life feels like, and I know what it feels like on Zoom. And yeah, there's just that missing- It's missing. Connection. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It, the it's humanity is not there. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like you and I have had these back and forths on things like robotics and all of that stuff. And you know, my feeling on AI, it's just like we, I feel like as a society, we have to be very careful not to lose the human touch. And we're in a phase now where that, that is a risk. That is a, that is a very strong yeah. risk. You know, I believe in wearing the masks, for instance, for COVID. 
but I don't like what the mask represents. I mean, you know, I don't want us to get into wearing masks forever. You know, like, like we need to fix this because I don't, I don't want to not see a smile anymore. You know what I mean? I don't want to not hear you without filter. I I don't want to not see your full facial expression because, you know, we can read eyes, but the lips do stuff, you know, lips furl and the lips curl and the lips, you know, expand and so on when somebody is lying it quivers there's so many little elements to our communication that i'm very much you know wary of losing as we go through this new era right yeah and it's been like thousands since the dawn of man we've been reading our faces Mm -hmm. like that's what we pick up on right Mm -hmm. we pick up on those little minute movements of like the quiver of the lip the twitch of a nose the way your eye you know all everything so to remove like literally half of your face is to remove half of the conversation they say that we speak what is it 80 percent with our body expression yeah so to remove half of your faces half of the conversation is basically gone yeah Um, so I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be anytime soon that we're gonna remove these masks, though. No, I think no. it's gonna be a little while. No, um, you know, I haven't listened to any announcements today as yet because we're on on this. But you know, I'm anticipating that the province will say, you know, they want to go back to maybe phase two. I don't anticipate a full shutdown anymore. I don't think anybody's economy can handle it. Yeah. And I don't think that the shutdowns were done well. Definitely not. This whole thing has been a big bumble. Like, it's ridiculous. It's so embarrassing, actually. When I I really look at it, like, we're in North America, and we love to act like we're better than people. And, you know, we're smarter than people. And, you know, especially Canada and America says we're the innovation, you know, We're we're, we're we're the knowledge economy and all this BS. And we can't figure out how to actually mitigate a virus mm-hmm. are we serious right now like there are countries all over the world that have implemented multiple measures that are either preventative or even if they're reactive but they're you know towards a goal of reducing the impact of this virus we are telling people seven months later to wash your hands and wear a mask that's the extent of our work yeah, but it's also, I think what it comes down to is the people too, right? Like maybe our systems are kind of in place, but it's that the discipline of the people or the the mindset of the people that like the North Americans, let's let's look at the Americans for sure, is that they don't they don't listen. It's like, no, I freedom. This is not freedom to them because they all have an, a different idea what freedom is. So uh, like if you put them up against the Japanese, the Japanese have only had a thousand deaths, right? Because people listen. It's like, hey, we're in some shit right now. Let's all work together to mitigate it. Just wear a mask. And they all wear a mask. In America, I'm not wearing a mask because it's, it, it impedes my You told me so, and I don't want you to tell me stuff. Right. And I think, I think that has been the factor that's affected North America the most. Because yeah. us Canadians, yeah, we are... We're Canadians, so we're different than the Americans, but we're influenced by their media so much and we watch so much of their crap that it starts to influence a certain populace in the Canadian in the Canadian population. And so we all are affected by it. Because if the guy next door doesn't want to wear a mask and he's asymptomatic and I go outside next to his fence and I catch it from him, 
it's unfortunate that we have us we live in a modern society and what we call a first world society quote and we can't handle this and it blows my mind but i i think so you're right the west is very indisciplined but i also think too especially in north america it's this idea of individualism like we have romanticized individualism to a level that is actually embarrassing exactly and so so we don't we don't actually believe anymore in collective anything we don't believe in collective economies collective thinking we we actually think we decide things for ourselves like there are people who go and shop and buy an orange top and think they decided that because (laughs) because individualism right (laughs) and so so because we've romanticized this we're like i'm not listening to your rules i'm an individual i get to make decisions on my own yes we all still pay taxes except donald trump you know so (laughs) you know it's very it's to our detriment for sure Mm -hmm. but you know i i don't want to also romanticize other cultures because there you know there's a whole bunch of disciplined cultures that have also a lot of debt and that's because the virus itself will prey upon certain environments so you know you know individuals with lower income lower education you know proximity kind of packed in on each other you know not not very good sanitation and all of those things you know they will have high numbers and occurrences of the virus so there, there are many factors to it. I just am amused and gobsmacked that the North Americans can't pull it together when other countries that they have looked down on, the shithole com- countries, the, the countries yeah. you know, are doing it. Like, did you see what Rwanda did? Like Rwanda had robots doing the, um, issuing the test. So oh, wow. yeah, so no nurse has to be put at risk for getting the virus. The, the robots issued the COVID test. I was like, hello, Rwanda, who like, you know, a couple of decades ago, we were all mourning how could they like decimate, you know, whole, you know, groups have pulled it together and are now being touted as the Singapore of Africa. Like, you know, how, how does that happen in a shithole country exactly, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm... Leadership. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly leadership and none of this romanticizing of individualism like actually community and actually collective right so it's very interesting and i like every chance i get i say shame on north america i just want to say it just shame on north america for bumbling this yeah and it's still being bumbled and it's going to get worse i think yeah i, well, I don't think the, it's still march i think it's going to be a lot longer than that I'm no i mean the actual virus the oh, okay the power of the virus mm-hmm. will shift by about March again. So we would have lived a year with it. Yeah. And then, you know, all the all the little filter stuff, like the vaccine will come on stream and all these other things will come on stream. Yeah. But the actual, like, dealing with the throes of a virus, I think next year, March, we'll mm-hmm. start seeing that, like, clear decline. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, whether or not we behave ourselves, whether or not we're disciplined. Because it's going to be a virus that will just always be with us. Like, yeah. you know, people don't talk about SARS anymore, but it's from the SARS family. People don't talk about, you know, a lot of other viruses that are still, you know, lingering around in the back. Yeah. So it just, it will just do its thing, you know, as a virus. But I encourage people to read more about it. 
and read more about like what other countries are doing in response because we just look stupid right now yeah <laughs> you know? i think this summer uh summer 2021 is going to be kind of off the chain kind of thing it's kind of like this summer no one really got to party and i think if we can get the virus in a more controlled state next summer i think it's going to be a little crazy but then i feel like again next summer at the end of the summer we're going to see a rise again yeah. It's possible. I mean, like, yeah, it's any well, it's none possible. of us knows. None of us knows. And like it's just like a wait and see kind of thing. Even though I'm like a homebody, I kind of want it done, you know? Because it's like when I go when I go out shopping, it just feels it's like, oh, I gotta wear my mask. A lot of times I'm like, I go outside and I have to come back in because I forgot my mask. So that's to be an annoying thing yeah. for my it's happening to everybody because like yeah. my building mandated mask wearing and i was just like why because <laughs> <laughs> now i have to like i turn back so many times yeah same here you're thinking about you know what i mean it's like I, yeah. I got my keys i got my phone i got my wallet let's go yeah and it's like oh my mask the mask yeah. and then you, like worse if i park far at like you know when i go to shop for my for groceries mm -hmm. and i like reach near the grocery store door and i don't have the mask and i'm like no oh, yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes what i do is like i just pull up my like i'll go for a run and um when i get back inside the building i just pull up my t-shirt because i'm not yeah. gonna wear a mask to run i'm not gonna carry extra stuff with me i just pull up right. the t-shirt yeah so, yeah <laughs> it's a lot of maneuvering yeah, it is. Um, but I mean, like, I will do whatever it takes. I'll do my part in trying to, you know, get get past this, get get us all past this. Yeah. And I just wish everyone would just come on board and say, okay, yeah, let's wear a mask and let's not be stupid anymore. And I think if we could do that, like all the experts say that we would get through this a lot quicker. But, you know, we still have those anti-maskers, you know, Anti-vaxxers, so. anti anti-maskers. Anti-everything. There's anti-everything. They don't believe yeah. it happens. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter if, I don't know, if, like, if if, they, if someone said that you need to drink water, else you will die, there'll be an anti-water drinker. Don't drink water. The man is trying to keep you down. The man's trying to hold you back. <laughs> <laughs> drink Coke instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still water. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. So um, I know, uh, like, uh, we both have to go. I have uh, another meeting at uh, 1 o'clock. But I wanted to get these questions out before I, we, we split. Okay. And um, so I, I always ask uh, all my guests these questions. So one of the questions is, what is your everyday technology carry? So if I saw you on the street, what kind of tech would you have on you? Well, I always have my cell phone. That's about it. Like, what kind of cell phone? I have the iPhone uh, 11 now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that all you carry? Pretty much. Yeah. Have you heard about that, um, the Elon Musk uh, Neuralink, where he's going to put a computer in your brain? Yeah. Are you down for that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, you know, I, I have, I'm on both sides of the fence with that. Yeah. Because I understand, I understand why he wants it done. Yeah. And, but I also understand, like, the negatives to that, right? He yeah. wants it's about AI and he wants to keep up with AI. Yeah. yeah. They, they literally will be controlling your brain if anything. Yeah. You know my thoughts on these things. Like I don't yeah. I like pervasive technology. You know, like I already feel like we're we're too teched out. But, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, 
we, I always say that we're already a cyborg. We just don't know it. Like mm -hmm. our phone, we, we go to it for everything. So it's part of us, right? We never it lose is. it. Yeah. It so I've gone back home for my phone. Like I've gone oh, yeah. halfway to work and turned back. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, especially if someone sleeps over, you don't want them getting into the phone. You just got to rush back home. <laughs> <laughs> Not a challenge I've had, but yeah. <laughs> So the next one is, uh, what advice can you give entrepreneurs? Like you are a consultant in small business space and in the media. What's uh, some advice you could share? Uh, so, you know, similar to some of the stuff we've talked about is, you know, ensuring that you know what your audience is. I used to say this to anybody entrepreneur or not. It's the people who are uh, able to be flexible that will survive. So you have to tap into some sense of flexibility in this world and if you are too rigid you're not going to survive you're just not you're, you have to be able to bend you have to be able to curve when a ball is thrown at you so you know seek out whatever resources you can in terms of expanding and opening up your mind to being a more flexible person and i also say to entrepreneurs do not fear change I always say change is always good. And my friends are like, it can't always be good. I'm like, even bad change is good. It is for a purpose. So be open to changing. But also know that for me, I think your brand is you, right? So when you're an entrepreneur, it's not, it's not, it's not you being wise trying to separate yourself from your brand. <laughs> like you, you need to incorporate what it is that, what is your you-ness? What is it that you want people to buy into? Why would people become a part of your tribe? Or why would people follow you by or anything from you? And you have to identify that and incorporate that in your branding. And then I'd also say, hang on in there because COVID has given everybody some uppercuts. And, you know, entrepreneurship is sometimes scary and risky and all of those things, but hang on in there. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because I'm very encouraged by the level of entrepreneurship that came out of COVID. Individuals started whole new companies during COVID. Individuals, you know, were like, I've always wanted to cook and started to make cakes. And yep. individuals are like, you know, I've always liked candles and made candles. So there's so much growth that happened for individuals that were open to it during this time. I'm very, I'm very, very hopeful for entrepreneurship going forward. And lastly, I think black folks need to get with it. There is no answer in the system for us. So we're going to have to create our own spaces and we're going to have to create our own wealth. And, you know, entrepreneurship is one route to doing that. Yeah. Speaking of like uh, all the creativity that happened because of COVID, it's kind of, it, it, I think it gives us an example of what would happen if there was a universal basic income. It would be that the people that want to create and the people that want to build would now have time away from their, their nine to five jobs. Because some people after that nine to five job get home and they're completely burnt. Wasted. Now, yeah, so it shows that if there was a basic income, people we would have more creativity, we'd have more businesses. So I think it would push the economy even more. So that was that is an interesting, example from uh, uh from the covid that that happened and so i'm wondering if like if governments and business see that and hopefully they will build on it 
Yeah. So, yeah, would be good. Yeah, it would. So the last question would be, uh, what will they quote you out of context for when they come for you? <laughs> Holy. Holy. I don't, I, I'll definitely be taken out of context for my ideas on blackness and relationships as a relate to blackness. I don't care, but I think that's what I would be misquoted on. I've been misquoted before and had fallouts from being misquoted, so mm -hmm. I'm prepared. <laughs> oh, well, we didn't really cover any idea, anything on that much on blackness and, and love and things like that. Mm. I'd like to hear that next time we, uh, we have a conversation. Yeah, for sure. We can, you know, we should just connect on that topic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm doing, be... series. I'm doing a banking series this uh, in October. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, yeah, so I'll be doing a series on love and relationship. I'm thinking probably for either January or February in around the Valentine's. Definitely like to see you back on one of those shows. Yeah, for sure. But today, this was an awesome conversation. We always have a great conversation when we meet. And I'm really thankful for you coming on. And we are definitely going to meet again in the love and relationship talk. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So uh, thanks again. And uh, can't wait to see you again. All right. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Toasted Soul. Thank you for listening and supporting Toasted Soul. Visit us at ToastedSoul.com to leave comments or book guest appearances and to get news on Toasted Soul. Please join us again next week. And as always, live with soul. Toasted Soul.